This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. I, of course, am Don LaGreca. Lots to get to. Big trade between the Devils and the Ducks. Devils part ways with Adam Henrique. Um, This is a tough one for them to part with, of course, when you look at the few guys that are left involved in the organization at all that went to the Stanley Cup Final in 2012, Adam Hemrick and Andy Green, just the two players from that team, and, of course, very few people even involved in the organization, head coach, general manager, ownership has all changed since then. So Henrique was one of the last holdovers, and, of course, he scored the big goal in Game 6 of the Conference Final against the um, New York Rangers to send them into the Stanley Cup final against the Los Angeles Kings. So it's certainly a tough player to part with. Uh, Blandisi also sent packing in this deal, exchange of draft picks for Sammy Vatanen, who is a top four defenseman. He can score. Uh, he can play a great defense. He's a right-handed shot, which is something the Devils were looking for. Uh, they've been trying different guys, with Lovejoy being the most recent right-handed shot. That might be a guy that could become expendable for the Devils uh, to make room for Vontan. And because Shiro said at practice today that Vontan will play when the Devils play in Colorado tomorrow. I tried to get somebody with the Devils organization, but it was very difficult because they are on their way to Colorado. But we'll try to maybe get somebody on tomorrow, maybe a Ken Danico. I did speak to Danico, who liked the deal, although was uh, pretty emotional about losing Henrique for the reasons that I had stated because he was such a major part of this organization. And it's sometimes difficult to give up centers, but you got to do it for a defenseman. And you look at the Devils' blue line, and Andy Green has been around, Lovejoy has been around, But the core of this blue line is very young, whether it's Santini, whether it's Butcher. They've got some young players there. Vontaine comes in, 26 years old, played in a conference final last year with the Ducks, averages a little less than half a point a game, so that's pretty good production there. Can give you a ton of minutes. He was the second leading point producer defenseman-wise for the Ducks, and the Devils get that kind of stability they're looking for on the blue line. He's under contract through the 2019-20 season, which I think is important. Henrique becomes a free agent after next season. Uh, they get him at a relatively cheap price for a defenseman. And this is a guy that I believe Ray Shiro thinks can be a top-pairing defenseman as he matures in this system. So you got to give to get. If you want to be a championship-caliber team, your blue line has to be strong. And the Devils felt with all their young players coming up that are all focused, Forwards, it made Henrique expendable. You got to give to get. It's a tough deal for the history of the Devils to see Adam Henrique go, but these are the types of moves you got to make when you want to be a player. Shiro sees a first place team. He sees a team that can make the playoffs, and the last time the Devils made the playoffs was all the way back in that 2011 2012 season, so it's been a long time, and he wants to make sure that just getting there isn't going to be enough, that they could be in contention here. They've got the goaltending, they believe they've got the offense, and now they add a nice piece on the blue. Blue line. The reason the Ducks make the deal is because they're just so hammered by injuries with Kessler and Getzloff. They needed a center. They needed a guy that can also play wing. Henrique does that for them. So it's a good deal. The Ducks still believe they're alive, but they're just too banged up to survive right now. They had a good win last night in St. Louis over the Blues. After taking a 3 nothing lead, they held on for the 3-2 win. Ducks are in win-now mode. This is a deal that helps them. Probably tough to give up a young defenseman. 
but they believe they're a win-now team. If they can get into the playoffs, they think they have the pieces when they get healthy to contend. Devils are trying to find those pieces that are young but can also help them win now. So you acquire a 26-year-old defenseman. I'm not going to compare this to the acquisition of Scott Stevens, but you know you go back to some of the little strategic moves that Lou Lamarillo used to make with the Devils that really produced championships, whether it's trading a Sean Burke for a Bobby Holik, whether it's being able to get the compensation when they lost Brendan Shanahan to turn that in to Scott Stevens to be able to acquire a Randy McKay Uh, These are the types of moves that Lou made when he felt that he had a team that was on the verge. I think Shiro believes maybe his team isn't quite on the verge, but if you acquire a player that's 26, that's under contract for the next uh, few years, that maybe by the time you get around to where Vatanen is in the 2019-20 season a couple of years from now, that the Devils could be that team and Vatanen can be a piece of that. So, Pretty significant move. Again, I was going to try to get somebody on the Devils, but they are on their way to Colorado right now. We'll probably maybe try to do something, if not tomorrow, then next week, or certainly E.J. Raddick on Monday can kind of recap that. A little bit of a maintenance deal for the Rangers and the Canadians. Cracknell goes up north to Montreal. The Rangers acquire Peter Holland. Holland's intriguing to me because he's had a pretty decent career. Most of his stats have come when he played for Toronto, signed with Montreal after a stint with Arizona, never seemed to be able to catch on. Uh, Rangers certainly can use a little depth at the forward position, as we know. Zabanajad just diagnosed with a concussion. You know how dicey those things can be. How long will he be out? Uh, Cracknell played a little center, a little wing. Holland can do the same thing. Cracknell was not with the team when they made the trade, and I'm not sure where Holland fits. Maybe if with Zabanajad out, he might be able to see some time here but a little bit of a maintenance deal for the New York Rangers. So a couple of deals today here on November 30th and uh, something to kind of sink your teeth into, but the Devil's Duck deal certainly was a major one and, and, and pretty significant for both teams as both teams trying desperately to contend. Uh, let's go over the games from last night where there were just four, but Montreal wins their third in a row, a 2-1 win over Ottawa. And it's really a tale of two teams. Price comes back, three straight wins, all at home, just allowing two goals in that span. So maybe Montreal playing without Shea, finding a way to kind of get their head above water here. And they're kind of, you could just tell that the Canadians are using the return of Price as something to kind of spur them on a little bit. Druin scored the penalty shot goal. Now we find out he's got a lower body injury and will not play tonight in Detroit. So as soon as something good happens for Montreal, there's a negative. But they are definitely going to see if they can ride this Price train to get back into the playoffs, and we'll see if they can do it. Remember, the Atlantic Division, not quite the same as the Metropolitan Division. So Montreal, if they were in the Metro, probably would be over. In the Atlantic, still time, three straight wins for them. And maybe one of the reasons Montreal has some time is because Ottawa is in pretty sad shape. I mean, the seven straight losses now. There, This was game one of a seven-game road trip, the second longest road trip in the history of the Senators organization that will see them also go out west to play the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks. They're not getting anything from um, Matt Duchesne. Their goaltending hasn't been nearly as good as it was last year. And right now, they have just not been able to produce any kind of goals, any kind of production at all. I believe in the seven-game losing streak, just nine goals. So Ottawa in a little bit of trouble here. I thought this team would be so much better. But that trade, that three-way trade between Colorado, Nashville, and Ottawa had just not worked so far for Ottawa. Duchesne's got one point, and that is just not good enough. Talking to the people around the Senators, they think this kid's about to pop, but they have not won since they went to Sweden. 
in the midst of one of their worst streaks in a long time. And when you see what Turris is doing in Nashville, right now Ottawa is just right now licking their wounds, and this is not the time to go on an extended road trip. Players will tell you going on the road sometimes can kind of help bond the team, but off to a bad start with a loss in Montreal last night. Let's pay attention to the Boston Bruins here. Uh, it's been a great story. They're trying to survive through their injuries. They got Bacchus back, which is huge, and they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 3-2 to last night. McAvoy gets his third of the year. Uh, that was a big goal to get things started for the Bruins. Nash gets a goal. Krug gets a goal. So they jumped out to the 3 nothing lead. They survived the Schuster and Stamkos goals to hold on. Lightning pull the empty net, cannot get the equalizer, but... Give credit to the Boston Bruins, decimated by injury, and now they find themselves in third place in that wide-open Atlantic division. So kudos to the Bruins. So remember that. File that away. When you're complaining about your team not winning, too many injuries to overcome, Boston Bruins have been able to find a way to do it. Now they're getting healthy, so that could be a dangerous team. Hugh Dobin looks like he can be pretty legit, so good job out of the Boston Bruins beating one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. We talked about the Ducks trade, big win in St. Louis over the Blues, so you got to feel pretty good there. 39 shots on goal for St. Louis. So there was a wide-open game with a lot of opportunities for both teams, but the goaltending was strong as Gibson makes 37 saves in the victory. As I said, the Ducks jumped out to a 3 nothing lead and then held on for the 3-2 win. And a nice win for the Avalanche, too. 3-2 win in overtime for the Winnipeg Jets. This was a fun back-and-forth game. We had a 1-1 tie going into the third period. Little scores early to give Winnipeg the lead. It looked like they were going to hold on, uh, but Sidorov gets the goal with about eight minutes left to tie the game, and then it was McKinnon who scores uh, the game winner after the Avalanche had a goal taken away at an offsides call. McKinnon comes right back on that that same power play, scores a goal, his eighth of the season. is uh, Give credit to the Avalanche, too, uh, as they're kind of trying to hang on here as we speak. Colorado, just a point out of a playoff spot. Not bad when you're clearly in rebuilding mode, right, and you make a trade with Duch- for Duchesne, and you still have guys like McKinnon that play well, Landis Skog, Zadorov with the big goal yesterday, so... Some pieces in place for Colorado, and they've been able to hang on there. How long they can do it, that's a, a great question. I'm not sure, but I think right now you got to feel pretty good if you're a Colorado Avalanche fan that that team has done a good job uh, to hang on and make things happen. So let's hear from you. Again, the trade came down earlier, so I'm sure a lot of people want to get into that as well. But let's just start from the top here, and let's talk to Christopher. Without any upgrade between the pipes, can you see the Islanders competing for a cup? No. Uh, I I think they're a playoff team. I think they're having a tremendous season this year. Eberle has really come alive. We talked about um, Barzell, you know, JT. Can a Halak-Grice combination get you there? Now, I will disclaimer it with this. You don't need a great goaltender to win a cup. You need your goaltender to play great. So if you tell me the Halak, who has been there and done that, it's been a few years, but this guy did take Montreal to a conference final back in 2010. So if you tell me Halak plays out of his brain, can they win a couple of rounds? Maybe. But to say that they're a cup contender, I still say no. But a team that can make the playoffs and be just a real dicey team to play, absolutely yes. Ray says, how long can the Rangers go before making a trade for a number 1 center? Is Mika... Uh, out more than a couple of games. Again, concussions are very strange, right? Everybody is different. 
Could be a couple of days, could be longer. Not sure. We just found out that he was diagnosed with a concussion. He's already missed a game. Likely will miss tomorrow's game against Carolina. Don't know. But the problem, Ray, is is that there's just not many number one centers available. You know, Duchesne was one, and you saw what happened there. It's, it isn't working right now for Ottawa. Um, you could try to force the issue the way Montreal did with Druin, trying to force a winger to play center. So far, that has not worked to the same capabilities that Montreal was hoping for. Uh, we'll see as we get closer to the deadline. But a number one center, they don't grow on trees. Number one defensemen don't grow on trees. Number one centers don't grow on trees. You just can't go to the NHL store and buy those types of guys. Very difficult to do. Uh, Forever, TH says, they play tonight. Who wins more Stanley Cups in their career, Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews? Well, I guess the easy answer would be Toronto, right? They're one of the best teams in the league, and Edmonton's taking a significant step back. When I look how loaded Toronto is, when I look at the fact, and this is no uh, knock at Peter Shirelli, but when I see Lou Lamarillo, who was able to make the Devils into a dynasty as the general manager, when I look at the brain trust of who their head coach is in Mike Babcock, who has won a Stanley Cup, their president, Brendan Shanahan, won a Stanley Cup. You look at the players and the former players and the executives, they're right now involved with the Maple Leafs. Doesn't, doesn't that look like a team? Even though they haven't won since 1967, that's a team on the verge. Now, Connor McDavid, I think, is a better player. And they do have young players there with dry saddle and Nugent Hopkins, but you're seeing right now it's just not working. So as much as I like Todd McClellan, as like I, I love Peter Shirelli, I, I like what's happening there in Edmonton. They don't have the resume that they have in Toronto. So if I so the quick answer is going to be I would think it would be Austin Matthews, although I think Connor McDavid is the better player. Uh, John says for the Devils D. Who will go down or who will be moved? Well, I think Lovejoy becomes the expendable guy. He's been a scratch a little bit this year. He's the veteran. I'm not sure he fits into their plans. So just looking at who's a right-handed shot that might lose his ice time, right now I would have to say maybe it would be Lovejoy, although I have not heard any specifics on who might be out. And since they said that Vatanen's going to play right away, we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, whether it's going to be um, who's going to be out, because I think Vontanen will be in the lineup when the, the Devils play uh, the Avalanche. Uh, Phoenix Jet says, Don, great podcast, has become a must-listen to my day. Do you think the Coyotes will ever dig out of the abyss, or is the lack of money and environment just too much, and they are destined to leave? You know, this has been asked me before. Um, this has been going on over a decade now. The NHL has done everything to keep the franchise there. Um, I do see signs. I mean, t- players don't mind going there. I mean, when the when when the Coyotes first went to Phoenix, they were able to land pretty significant players. You know, Jeremy Roenick, um, you know, playing there. Uh, the uh, the Kachuk played there. Uh, you know, I know he came over from Winnipeg, but but the point is, is that they were able to attract free agents. They've been bad for a long time. Believe me, players love playing in Arizona. They love living in Arizona. What they don't want is to go someplace and commit long-term if they don't believe the franchise is going to be there. But, God, they they face so much adversity, and the NHL has put so much into there. And when I hear about relocation, you know, they obviously are a team that comes up. Florida certainly comes up in conversation. If the Islanders can't get their situation figured out here in, 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 in Long Island, that's a possibility, too. So, yeah, it's it's certainly a threat. Phoenix Jet, there's no question. 
um, especially now where you're hearing all these rumblings about Houston wanting a franchise. And if the NHL is going to expand to the Pacific Northwest and Houston is serious about having a franchise, that becomes an area where there could be location. Now, it looks like Carmonos has completed a sale to a Dallas billionaire to sell the Hurricanes but it's under the stipulation that the Hurricanes stay in Carolina. Those are the reports. So there was some talk that maybe with Carolina being for sale that they may move, but it seems like this Dallas billionaire is committed to keeping them in Carolina. So you take the Hurricanes certainly off the table. But when you hear rumblings about the the, the Calgary situation now where they may use relocation as a threat to get a new building in Calgary, the Edmonton Oilers have gotten a brand-new facility, so... Uh, Alberta facing um, having to give the same to Calgary. So I'm sure the Flames are going to use Houston as leverage for the possibility of relocation. So um, there's a few other options. Back in the day it was, well, where is Arizona going to move? Well, now will Calgary use it as leverage? Uh, Will will Florida, with their really uh, uh, trouble uh, drawing fans there, become a possibility? So at least to answer your question, Um, You do have other competitors for relocation, and there's only a handful of places. Quebec City needs a team. Houston needs a team. Seattle needs a team. Expansion will take care of Seattle. So as long as there's a couple of cities that want teams, there's always going to be a bit of a threat. Uh, Sam Diaz says, of the trades that have taken place since the summer, which do you think have been the most impactful this season for both? the buyer and the seller, I'd say Shen to the Blues and Smith leaving the Coyotes. He has certainly helped um, uh, Smith has certainly helped the Calgary Flames, who at times look like they need a goaltender to steal a game, and they haven't had that for a long time. So that you are, are absolutely right about that. Shen has been just spectacular uh, for the Blues. Other trades, I'd have to think about it. But those are the two that I think you're absolutely right have been the most impactful as far as helping teams are concerned, I think those are. I think you nailed those too. Uh, James says, "Hey Don, Devils made a nice trade with the Ducks. Any other teams in the Metropolitan Division can make any trades? Also, who uh, you think can win the Hart Trophy? Well, the Hart Trophy is going to be almost as competitive as the Calder. So you look at the teams that are." Um, the better teams. I mean, certainly Kucherov and Stamkos are going to be candidates in Tampa. Uh, certainly there's guys you can look at in Toronto. Uh, when you look at the um, the other, the Metropolitan Division right now, I don't know if anybody, the Devils have kind of done it as a team. You know, if, if you know Ovechkin scores 60 goals, which he's on pace to do, I think Alexander Ovechkin would be in the conversation. If you go out west, uh, there's a bunch of guys that you can look at there too. So the heart is definitely... Very, very much wide open. Tarasenko and St. Louis, if the Blues end up winning that conference, can be in the conversation. There's so, wow, there's a, there's a really good conversation. Kind of pretty, a little early to do it, but what I would do is I, you know, you look at John Tavares. If the Islanders make a major run here, he's been pretty good for them. You know, just some of the names that uh, leap to mind. Courtney says, hi, Don. Now Mika is out with a concussion. How badly could this end up hurting the Rangers if he's out longer than a few games? Also, would the newly acquired Holland or even uh, Heedle be options for the Rangers? Thanks. Well, I'll tell you what. I know it's only one game, and they ended up losing that game to Florida. But it was not the fault of the fault of the top line. They stuck Dayarnay with Bushnevich and Kreider, and they clicked three times in that game. So uh, maybe Dayarnay just fits pretty well. Maybe they found themselves a bit of a player for the interim. I don't know how long Mika's going to be out. 
But maybe they found a guy. So I think Holland may get a call up, too, to be the fourth line. But at least the good news is, and we didn't touch on this enough, I think, when we were recapping uh, the Panther game from the other day, is that Dayarnay really slid in there nice at the top. Again, it's just one game. It's the Florida Panthers, but you know we'll see if they – I'm sure that'll be the same connection against Carolina. But if you got to go a week or two with that, it may not be uh, the end of the world. Jake says, hey, Don, big trade this morning. Who won the trade, New Jersey or Anaheim? Which current player in the deal will make the biggest impact with the new team? Well, I think it's – you know I hate to give a winner and a loser because I think both teams did what they had to do. The Ducks are in a situation where they're devastated by injury and they get a versatile forward who can score. And you know he can score big goals, as we outlined at the beginning of the podcast, scored one of the biggest goals in Devils history considering it was against the New York Rangers. So you know he can score big goals and be in big moments, and I think he'll fit in there nice. And Vatan, it is just what the Devils need on the blue line. He's a guy that can be a top-pairing guy. He can play a ton of minutes. He can score you some points. He played in big games last year in the Ducks' run to the conference final. I think there's a win for both teams. I do. Now, if you wanted to give a slight edge to New Jersey because Vatanen is a year younger and has another year left on his contract, then you could do that. But I think both teams really have to feel like that they they, they scored themselves a nice winner here. Getting back to the Mount Rushmore of hockey movies. Brett Ludzik, um, Ludzik uh, gives his uh, top five hockey movies. Okay, so he's branched off from the, uh, from the four. Five, Youngblood, four, Slapshot, three, Mighty Ducks, two, Mystery Alaska, very underrated film, and number one, Miracle. I, I, I like that. Again, I haven't seen the Ducks, the Mighty Ducks. I've been constantly getting tweets from people saying, you gotta see, you got to see it. It holds up well. Slapshot, four. Hmm. Mystery Alaska, I liked. It's kind of corny, but it's not bad. But I, I never watched that movie and thought that it was something I absolutely had to kill myself to see again. And Miracle is fantastic, but I would not have it at number one. Chris asks, odds that all three New York, New Jersey hockey teams make the playoffs, and if they do, who will their seeds be? Well, at the end of the day, I can see the Islanders beating out the Devils. So if I had to rank them, I would probably say right now, Islanders, Devils, Rangers. Devils look like they're pretty for real to me. I think I think that right now the Rangers, you know, they're they're they're, they're trying to make the playoffs. I, I think the Rangers are going to go on a run here and make the postseason. But hey, listen, we're more than past the quarter pole here, and the Islanders and the Devils have proven their worth. And now this deal that the Devils made, I think, is going to make them better. And you know, the Rangers are going through the things right now. So I don't think winning the division. Pittsburgh's got Murray out now. He's going to be out for the next two, three weeks. And so the goaltending issues for Pittsburgh are going to be a bit of a problem. So who would I say? So the Islanders have already passed the Devils now. Well, 32 points each, both teams with the same amount of goal uh, games played. One more win for the Islanders. So that's the way I'll rank it. None of them will win the division. I think that'll be Columbus. But I think all three have a real chance of making the playoffs. Let's see. Uh, Motor McBoatface, awesome that uh, she's involved here. Don, I need you to talk me off the ledge. I'm really upset about losing uh, Rico. Um, Henrique, again, is someone that is always going to be remembered in devil's lore because even though you go back to game-winning goals, Eliash, game seven against the Philadelphia Flyers, Arnott, Game six against the Dallas Stars, the cup-winning goal in overtime. 
You go back to the old school Devils with John McClain's goal against the Blackhawks that got the Devils into the playoffs for the first time in franchise history in 1988. Those are are huge goals that you think of in the Devils' history. Henriques is right up there. Got him into a Stanley Cup final for the first time since 2003. It was a miracle run for them. And it happened against the Rangers, and it slayed a lot of dragons for Devils fans. Because even though the Devils had beaten the Rangers before in the postseason, swept them in 2006, you know, the Rangers owned the Devils, right? Beat them in 92, of course, beat them in 94 in the conference finals, upset them in 97 in the second round of the playoffs. So the Rangers, even though the Devils won more cups in recent vintage, the Rangers had the Devils' number. And then the Devils swept them in 06, and the Rangers were such an amazing story, and the Devils swept them in in, in the first round of the playoffs in 2006 to get a modicum of revenge. But then the Rangers come right back in 08 and beat them in five. So that's 4-1 to as far as the playoffs were concerned. So when you fast-forward to 2012 and – there there was such a significant distance between the Rangers and the Devils in the rivalry, and the Rangers were the favorite, and the Rangers had home ice advantage, and they were the team destined to go to the Stanley Cup final under John Tortorella, and the Devils, a, a sixth seed, stole it from them. And they did it in overtime in their own building, and Adam Henrique scored the goal. So even though it's probably not Eliash, it's not, probably not McLean, it's probably not our not level as far as the meaning of the whole thing is concerned, the fact that it was the Rangers and the fact that it kind of balanced the, the rivalry a little bit really put Adam Henrique on a pedestal that maybe he wasn't worthy as far as like how great a player he was in the history of the organization. Eliash is going to have his number retired. McLean is a, is a significant player in the history and, of course, Arnott won the cup with his goal. But the fact that it was against the Rangers really balanced out the rivalry. So I can't talk you off the ledge. He's gone. He's meaningful. He was a draft pick. He'd been here a long time. One of the last two holdovers to the team that went to the Stanley Cup final. But I'm telling you, as you watch Vaunted in play, and I got a chance to watch him in the conference final, I work some of those games pre and post. I've called games in which uh, I've seen him live in Anaheim, called a Ranger-Duck game. You are going to love Vaunted, no question about it. Jordan says, hey, Don, take away the obvious in McDavid and Matthews. Who is your starting lineup for a team of players under 25 years old? Interested to see if you'd include Pasternak. I I think I would. You know, you go back to players, and there's a few of them that are still very, very young under 25. But Pasternak, to me, has overcome some injuries. Every time I call a Bruins game, he seems to be the best player on the ice for Boston. You've got to give him a large amount of credit for how Boston's been able to survive some of these injuries. Obviously, McDavid is there. No question about it. Um, you look at some of the younger players, too, what Keller's done, what uh, what um, Besser has done. But if you want to look at some of the guys that have played for a while here, I'd have to go over exactly who is under 25 years old. But Pasternak has to be in that conversation because I think he's asked to do so much more than most players in the situation because of Boston's transition from this rough and tumble physical team to a more wide open style younger team and he he's the guy that can put that to the forefront five minute major he always sends a picture that I take with him the most recent picture 
in the tweets, which is cool. He says, hey, Don, will the injury to Matt Murray put the Pittsburgh Penguins' chances of three-peat as a Stanley Cup champion in jeopardy? Is there an outside chance if it's a prolonged injury they would miss the playoffs altogether? Very good possibility. Uh, when you look at, uh, was it Jaffe and, and, and DeSmith? I mean, these are they've had trouble, whether it was Niemi. When Murray doesn't play, they seem to be in a big amount of trouble. Um, they're okay as far as, I think, all the talent that's around them. But and and you and you hear that the the conversation is they are not going to make a deal. The hope is he's going to be back in two three weeks. And if it ends up being just two or three weeks, then I think that they can sustain. Otherwise, they're probably going to be in the market for a goaltender. And yes, I do think it puts their cup chances in jeopardy if this injury is going to be a little bit longer than two or three weeks. Uh, Chris says, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I believe this is a great trade for the Devils. Emergence of young talent made Rico expendable. Yeah, that's where we got there. So, um, yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying, Chris, there. Um, the the emergence of Heischer, the emergence of Zaka, the emergence of Brat, all these players that have really actually maybe arrived a year earlier than you would have thought, to me, definitely puts them in the conversation as far as being able to unload um, what they ended up thinking was an expendable player. Um, let's see. Ryan says, Devils are carrying 9D as of right now. What does the wizard that is Ray Shiro do next? Someone's got to move, whether it be for picks or prospects. More is an unrestricted free agent, but his overtime masterful, mastermind thoughts. I'd like the way John Moore is playing, so I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Like I said, Lovejoy can certainly be expendable for them. He had been a scratch a few times too. There's some maneuverability there. Santini, he's got to he's got to stay. So Ray's got some decisions to make, and again, we will get to see a lot of that coming up. Uh, when they consider that Vatan will play against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, let's see. Uh, Marcelo, we got to talk to him because he's a huge Devil fan. Asked you about this two weeks ago. Just had a feeling it was going to happen because he goes back to a tweet that he had sent me um, a while ago where he said, Henrique scored one of the most memorable goals in recent Devils history, but do you think New Jersey is going to consider trading him to get help on the blue line? So you nailed it, and he obviously loves that deal. Um, uh, let's see. Liam says, shocked to hear Derek Dorsett can't play anymore. Always liked him, and he started the season on such a roll. I wish him only the best. Yeah, we found out that he is not going to return to the everyday roster. He had six goals, part of the reason Vancouver got out of the blocks so quickly. But I've always been a Derek Dorsett fan for sure, and um, I hope he's able to uh, to get things together down the road. Let's see. Jake says, hi, Don. Huge trade just went down with Devils and Ducks. Henrique uh, uh, Blandisi, a 2018 third-round pick to Anaheim, New Jersey. Okay, just telling me about the trade. I do appreciate that, and we, we got that all together. Uh, Adrian says, first time, long time, and while not the uh, hill I wanted to die on, there are plenty of fans who want to see their team's players go to the Olympics who would not later complain who would not later complain about post-game hangover or injuries. Love the podcast. Because what we were doing, what I said earlier, was that all the fans that are screaming that NHL players should be there would be the first to complain if one of their significant players got hurt in the Olympics and couldn't help their team when they came back. Adrian says no. But even more so than that, Adrian, again, these games are going to be happening in the middle of the night. It does not help 
It does not significantly help the National Hockey League move forward. The reason they wanted to play in them was to help the league get promotion, and it's not going to help when these games are so far away and so late at night. Jeremy says, not a lot of talk about the recent outdoor games being announced. Do you think that always seemingly having the Blackhawks and Penguins being involved is hurting viewership? What are some outdoor games you would like to see? Well, we've talked about this before, Jeremy. And, of course, he's talking about the Bruins and the Blackhawks playing at Notre Dame. And most recently this year, it's going to be the Sabres and the Rangers. So the Rangers playing in their second Winter Classic, Sabres playing in their second Winter Classic. We've seen the Penguins. We've seen the Capitals. We've seen the Blackhawks. We've seen the Red Wings. We've seen the Maple Leafs. We've seen the Canadians. So the original six teams, the Flyers, obviously. So we've expanded it out a little bit. The problem is it's about television ratings, and they want to make sure that they put teams in there that are going to get a number. And Buffalo may not seem like a significant franchise to you, but if you take a look at the best ratings for the Stanley Cup Finals, it's the two teams that are in it, and usually coming in third is Buffalo. The Buffalo is a huge hockey fan base. They love the Sabres. Sabres haven't been any good, but you know what? They will get a number with the Sabres. They'll get a number with the Rangers. I think Minnesota would be interesting, and I think you will see Minnesota get to play one because they've got a big fan base there in Minnesota. Maybe they can play somewhere out there the uh, more at the University of Minnesota. The problem, again, comes into, and this is why they released the Stadium Series over the last few years. What the Stadium Series was was, hey, these are the teams that can never be considered for a Winter Classic, but let's give them an outdoor game. So let's have the Rangers play at Yankee Stadium, bring the Devils and the Islanders who could never play in a Winter Classic. Let's go to Dodger Stadium and have the uh, the Ducks and the Kings play. Those are two teams that can never play in a Winter Classic. The Avalanche getting a chance to play in Denver. They would never play or be considered as long as they're in the situation that they're in. But I think you'll see some expansion of teams because, like, let's say the Avalanche, if they may, if they had this idea when the Avalanche had Peter Forsberg and Patrick Waugh and were winning Stanley Cups, they'd have no problem putting the Avalanche on the Winter Classic. Right now the Avalanche are in a transition mode, so they, uh, they're they eliminated from it. Um, you've got some, some teams that just don't make sense, Lightning, Panthers, Dallas Stars. So, yeah, they seem to go to the old same guns all the time. They're looking for television ratings, but I do think you will see Minnesota. I do think when Colorado gets good again, you could still see them because they've got a decent fan base there in Denver. But just like it, just like the, the teams that end up playing in the Wednesday night rivalry, the teams late in the season end up playing on Saturday afternoons, the teams that play the day after Thanksgiving, it's all the same teams. Baseball, the same thing. They get ratings with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Giants. And the overwhelming majority of teams, they don't. And it's and basketball, it's about the stars, so it's a little bit different where you can see smaller markets, but it's usually who plays on Christmas Day. It's LeBron James, it's Steph Curry, it's the Knicks, it's the Lakers. You know, big market teams, big stars. Happens all over sports. So there's always going to be teams that are on the outside looking in. We'll close it out with Trenton, who says, those were the best two periods of Bruins hockey since 2014. Of course, he was talking about the first and second periods of their 3-2 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And as I mentioned to the top of this broadcast, the the Boston Bruins deserve a lot of credit. They've had devastating injuries. Just off the top of my head, Backus, who came back, Krejci has been out, Spooner has been out for them. God, they've had tons of injuries. I called their game a couple of weeks ago, and they had so many unrecognizable names and numbers, and yet still this is a team that, if the season ended today, would finish in third place in the Atlantic Division to make the playoffs. But they got good young players. Carlo's good. McAvoy is a good young player. They've discovered some forwards during these injuries, and I think that uh, 
Uh, Bruce Cassidy deserves a lot of credit for juggling all the different players, all the different lines to make this happen. So congratulations to him. All right, a lot of trades, a lot to go over. We'll try to get somebody from the Devils tomorrow. No promises because, again, they're playing and they're traveling today. But I think we were able to get as much out of that trade as possible. We've got games to recap coming up today. We've got our top five. So if you want to tweet me your top five of the week, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Questions, comments, that's the way you get in touch with me. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. We'll recap the week coming up on Friday. This was the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.